Hey, welcome to Wolf's Watch. Got information for you today that you're going to want to hear about the CEO's dilemma with artificial intelligence. This includes a consideration. Could this be something that will very personally affect your role, your tenure as an executive? Coming right up. Welcome to the dark side of AI. Welcome to Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf. Thanks for being part of the conversation. And as always, this is, you know, we're watching over here for comments and questions. This is live, 21st century television, interactive. Bring your questions. So here we go. This is, you need to consider the dilemmas that are being created by AI. And this isn't a, a gloom and doom prediction. Let me say this right up front. This is not a gloom and doom prediction. This is things that you need to keep an eye on that you need to consider as CEO of your company, as the leader of your company, because they affect your company. They affect you personally too. It could include affecting uh, how much longer your tenure runs, how much longer you have the job of CEO at that company. You know, your board might move someone else in. We're coming to that. Before we address that directly, here's something that leads to it and is part of it. You're going to look over here because I got some notes. want to make sure I get you the right information. So one of the things to consider is what tools are your employees using? What AI tools? And is this something that's purposeful, part of your policy and procedure? Or is this stuff that they're doing because they've been toying with it in the evenings and they're going, hey, this is great, it's a powerful tool. It helps me. And then they bring it into the workplace to do things. One of the things to consider, uh, the Copyright Office issued guidance in March of this year that clarified and reiterated the fact that anything that's generated by artificial intelligence tools is not copyrightable. Now that may not affect your business. It might. If you're if you have marketing folks that are using it to generate marketing copy in whole or in part, copyright doesn't really, you know, this is a personal opinion. Let me ask this question. <clears throat> Does copyright really matter on that? I mean, how long is that ad going to run? What's the time value of that ad campaign? Now there's some evergreen evergreen ad campaigns that can run for months, for years, that should be copyrighted, shouldn't it? Is that is the are the campaigns that are currently being released right now going to last that long? If they can't be copyrighted because they're AI generated, how does that affect your business? Think about that. If they're not copyrightable, if it's AI generated, it cannot be copyrighted. It is not under federal law protected under the Copyright Act. This is a direct statement from the Copyright Office. What about photography? If they're using images. So think about that. You know, it depends on what tools are they using. Here's something that cropped up, a personal experience. Working on a film project earlier this year, we had to redo um, some voiceovers that were created because they included AI-generated voices. They also included AI-generated modifications to existing voices. Eh, nobody famous, nothing like that. Challenge became the film needs to be needs to be protected under a copyright act, right? The IP needs to be protected under trademark and copyright law. Can't do that if it's AI generated. We didn't know where that line stood. You know, where where is that? Where are we on the? Oh, okay, this this is protectable. This is not. Oh, that's that over there isn't because this is embedded in it or this piece. Is, looking at it going, you know what? 
we can't have that argument right now. There's a bunch of gray areas that we had stumbled into, had to redo all of the voiceovers because of that. All the voiceovers that had anything to do or even could appear to have had anything to do with um, AI tools, AI generation. And it's a shame too, because it, the, the initial uh, feedback was that it was good stuff. And it had to be set aside, couldn't be used because it couldn't be protected. And in some cases, maybe could have been, we were looking at that and we had to make it, we had to make executive decisions in terms of, is this going to be worth going to battle for if it turns out that it can't be copyrighted and it can't be protected? If it can't be protected, what limitations does that create for the final product? Because there may be distribution problems, like there's other effects, other people that are going to be involved downstream. How are they going to respond to that? So, so with, with product, depending on what your product and service is, how might that affect just not just the marketing, but also what you're delivering to your customers? And how does that open you up to a weaker competitive position? So that also ties into the question of competitive positioning and how does it help with competitive position, which we addressed in the last episode. So that's one thing to consider. Here's another example, and this feeds into the next issue, which affects you directly and could affect your tenure as CEO of your company, is the impact of regulations and growing consortiums. Here's, here's an example. Getty Images, biggest library of licensed photos and, and other IP along those lines, visual IP available. Lots of companies use them. If you're going to, you know, there's a lot of images on the internet. You see the Getty Images logo. Can't use their images unless it's licensed. Getty Images in NVIDIA, big graphics card maker. You may have heard some of their recent announcements in the news. They're still breaking ground with uh, with the the computer parts, right, that, that make AI possible, high-end AI possible on uh, laptops and in other computers. And they've created a new... Um, supercomputer. So I'm not going to bunny trail on this too far. They just, re just recently announced a new supercomputer that is uh, going to take some of things like chat GPT to the next level. So they're very embedded in the core technology. So Getty images, NVIDIA and Adobe, right? Adobe Photoshop. Uh, they're also one of the, one of the most popular um, professional video editing tools and a lot of other related products and services. Those three companies came together formed a consortium to release a new AI service. And part of what the announcement included was there's, you don't have to worry about being sued for images that you're using that are AI generated because Getty's involved and Getty has provided their licensing agreements to that, um, to that content, to those tools as well. Now, at the same time that they had started this, uh, that they had started this consortium, but before they announced it, Getty Images sued one of the biggest text-to-image providers in the artificial intelligence world, Stable Diffusion, claiming that they had vi violated their copyrights and their intellectual property rights because they trained Stable Diffusion, trained their artificial intelligence uh, tools on publicly viewable versions of Getty images. That's a heck of an argument. That's, that's a, that's a bunch of spaghetti right there, even attempting to say it, let alone to describe it. So here you have a company that's going, ah, you know what? 
if you cannot use this, uh, you cannot use what would be publicly viewable. You could, as a human, could go see it on the internet and go, no, 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 you can't. We're going to sue you for doing that because now you're letting your AI, which you're going to use for commercial purposes, view those images so that it can understand how to create images based on. So their argument is since the underlying intellectual property was owned by Getty Images, the uh, the AI itself has violated their copyright because it was viewing those images in order to learn how to create similar images and to sell them. Now, if a human being does that, right, if you want one of your kids to understand how to do art, how to frame photos, what works, what doesn't, then viewing images like that, viewing thousands of Getty images on the internet would be a great way to study and then to hone their craft. Getty says, uh-uh for the AI. Now we're not going to get into the human side of that, but what would prevent that from moving forward as well? Bear with me for just a second. So now you've got Getty Images in this consortium privately, not announced yet. Publicly, they're suing this company. And then when they make the announcement of the consortium, they say, hey, you don't have to worry about being sued for, for violating our copyright because the AI tool that this consortium has created is, is included, is, is covered by us. We've blessed it, right? I used to say one of my, one of the first companies I worked for, I sprinkled holy water on and blessed it and said, yes, that's okay. So the implication there is if you have one of one or more of your team members using an AI tool that allows them to generate images, say tech, you know, very popular text to image, text to video. So type in a description because now for, you know, for a marketing piece, we need a picture of a team celebrating in a boardroom with a photo of big, good, positive business results in the background, you know, on a chart in the background. The artificial intelligence generates a really high quality usable image. They put that in your marketing materials. Getty's implication is that they could then sue you for violating intellectual property rights. Consider that. Now, what happens, and I'm not predicting, and I'm not taking shots at Getty. This is just the logic in the current lawsuits that are that are proceeding. Because you didn't use Getty Images tools, they may, could they come after you? They could, doesn't mean it would stand up in court, but they could. And Getty's very aggressive for protecting their intellectual property. Can't knock them for that. Whether this is, whether this is a stretch or not remains to be seen. It depends on how this, this core, um, how this core lawsuit plays out. And now this is really getting in the weeds on this. This is something you need to understand. What There's a lot of these what if situations that you need to be apprised of so that you consider those in your business strategy. How does that affect your decisions as CEO in your company? And it's not being talked about at large in the press because you could, depending on how some of these lawsuits, regulations coming up next topic, how this plays out, it could very much affect and undo things that you've already put in motion. So how hard would it be to shift? How hard would it be to replace? What's the, if you have to use the, the Getty images approved um, graphics tool in order to avoid lawsuits, how does that impact your organization? Does anybody, is it a different skill set? Does, can anybody do So all these questions come up. Same thing with regulations, the same companies, um, NVIDIA being one and OpenAI, the creators of chat GPT, Microsoft were part of their, their CEOs were part of a group that testified to Congress. Actually, it was the Senate, the Senate committee 
on technology, and they were asking the federal government to regulate them. Why on earth would they do that? They're claiming ethics in the use of, of AI. That so their argument was regulate us, and this is what it sounded like. Okay, this isn't necessarily what they were saying. This is what it sounded like in listening to them going, AI could be used unethically, so we need you to regulate us to prevent that, right? Keep us from being unethical. Doesn't really speak well of the people making the argument and also leaves a lot of open territory for, well, what happens in that, right? Because no, think about this. Why would you go to Congress and ask them to regulate you and your business more heavily? So there must be a business strategy behind that. Here's one perspective on that. They want to have regulations put in place because they are the biggest, they're the dominant. There's, there's already a, just a handful because it's so costly. You need so much computing power. For example, NVIDIA, the supercomputer that they announced recently that I mentioned, there's only a handful of companies that are going, companies and organizations, government organizations that will be able to access that supercomputer because it is so, the computing time is so expensive. And right now there's only one of them in the whole world. They'll probably make more, I would imagine. It's very profitable, so they'll make more. Because back to, if they if the regulations are put in place, then that locks them in as the dominant players. That will create another barrier to entry. See that in a lot of dis different industries, regulation becomes a barrier to entry to new competitors. Think about the catalytic converter, converter on your car. That's 1960s technology. That was written as a federal law in the 1970s because it was the best way at that time to reduce uh, pollution coming from cars. That was 1970. So here we are 50 years later. We still have that at by law. Every car has to have one of those. Do you think maybe there's a better technology today, 50 years later? Doesn't matter. That's the only thing that can be used. And now there's this multi-million, multi-billion dollar industry and lobbying industries. There's all this, this cottage industry that's grown up around making sure that never changes. Because a lot of people are making, making money off of it, right? A lot of rice bowls involved there. It's not going to happen. They're not going to, it's not going to get changed. So now that technology is locked in. So when I see personally, when I see large companies going to Congress and saying, oh, please regulate us, part of that is business strategy so that they can protect their competitive position and block rivals, block others from entering. And one of the statements that was made by one of the CEOs was, Hey, look, we don't, you know, we don't mind. Think about that language. We don't mind that there's small and, there, and want to encourage small players to develop stuff. Didn't say anything about allowing them to get big, right? Think about Google. What has Google done? Google being the dominant search company, they just buy stuff up. They watch, they've been for many years now, they've been in a position where they've been able to afford to buy any interesting looking company or potential competitor, right? They own YouTube. They didn't create YouTube. They bought YouTube and many other companies like that. So that creates a position where Microsoft, NVIDIA, already massively big companies, OpenAI, originally set up as a not-for-profit that has now decided to go for-profit. So they they all of a sudden were awash in uh, cash flow and they're still exploding. Puts them in a position where they are locked in as the dominant players, maybe a couple of other companies, and then everyone else is kind of an also-ran. The best they can hope for is develop, new, is develop a new technology and then sell it to one of the major companies. 
because the barriers to entry will be so large or they may be prevented altogether, depending on how that regulation's written. Uh, it ties in also to, into uh, censorship issues. Then they're worried about misinformation. So they want those laws to and regulations to include uh, deciding what is what is misinformation and what is not that. Excuse me. See, that just it gives me heartburn just even saying it out loud. Who gets to decide that? That's a, a dicey topic that we don't have time for here. And this isn't a political platform. The issue that I want to focus your attention on is as CEO, you need to understand these types of things that are that are playing out. What might the upside and downside of that be? Right. If these companies get locked in, I mean, right now, Adobe, the Adobe NVIDIA Getty Image Consortium is launching some very interesting, very powerful AI enabled tools. Big benefit for creative endeavors for your marketing organization, depending on what types of services you offer, uh, likely will also help inside your company with optimizing processes. I'm not going to get into a tech discussion because I want to wrap this up and let you get on with your day. But here's the final point this is leading up to in terms of how this impacts your tenure as CEO. What kind of questions are your board of directors asking you? This is one of our topics for our uh, CEO's AI playbook series. What are, what are those questions? Have you been answering those? There was um, in a meeting this morning and listened to the story of someone who was an executive. It was the leader for a uh, uh, general manager title. He was responsible for a site that was the only, you know, for a, for the business in a state, right? Thousands of employees working for him was let go when they brought in an artificial intelligence team or brought in a team to install artificial intelligence, part of that move was going, okay, thanks. We got to bring these new folks in that have the, this tech savvy, this deep tech understanding. Are you at risk for that? And what do you need to know about the technology to avoid that? What do you need to know as CEO of your company about the technology so that your competitors don't do that to you in the marketplace? And it comes back to, we've been doing a series on questions and think about those, think about those in, in multiple directions. What's your board asking you? What are your customers asking you? What are you asking of your team and your, um, right? In, in your staff, your direct reports in what questions are you asking about the technology to understand what you need to know in depth, right? One of the reasons that Toyota kicked the crap out of General Motors in the 80s and 90s and became the largest company largest car company in the world was their executive team had automobile experience general motors executive team had accounting experience so they understood their business they understood the marketplace they understood their products way better than the leadership at general motors not knocking accountants just saying that depends on what skill sets you have in which positions in your organization right what's going to be better for you. Think about this in your business. What kind of, what line of work are you in? Is someone who is your CFO or your vice president of finance and accounting going to be more effective in that role if they had worked in some of the frontline positions, some of the entry-level positions in your company? They had nothing to do with that first. They had an, oppor an opportunity to understand operations and then worked, you know, were eventually uh, grew into that senior role on the, on the finance and accounting side. Same thing for operations, right? A good operations executive. 
typically comes up through operations. They've got the experience to understand processes, systems. So think about that and think about, you know, is there, are there other forces that could between competitors and um, very active activist board members that could bring a rude awakening for you in an upcoming board meeting? Food for thought. There's more coming. Stay with us on the uh, CEO's AI playbook. If you want more information on that, it's going to be an invitation only event coming up very soon. If you're interested in that, just drop a hit in the, uh, in the comments and I will reach out to you. This has been Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf. Thanks for being part of the conversation. I look forward to seeing you on the trail.